The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Hi, I'm Kelly Evans, host of CNBC's The Exchange. This is Conversations with Kelly, where I take a deep dive with an expert on a topic I'm particularly interested in. Today's discussion is about the metaverse, but don't worry, it's not all pie in the sky jibber jabber. While others are out there talking about the metaverse, or in some cases, changing their name to the metaverse, my next guest is already operating a metaverse called Octi. It just launched last month, and one of its big offerings is that it doesn't make money from ads or from selling your data. It's basically just a big digital store. Users get coins from the popularity of their videos that they can spend on stuff like digital sneakers, and Octi takes a cut of that. So is the metaverse actually a deceptively simple idea? With that, let me welcome in Octi's co-founder and CEO, Justin Fuse. Justin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Kelly. I'm really excited to, to be here this morning and really excited to talk to you about the metaverse. Well, I have to tell you, you're already causing some strife here uh, at the exchange with <laughs> my team because I thought, and, and just so everybody knows, they should all go back and watch our first interview on air from a couple of weeks ago, which was awesome and a great backgrounder, but we can dive a little bit deeper here today. So I thought, you know what, let me download Octi and mess around with it. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that go? So, you know, it's it's pretty intuitive because I'm a little familiar with TikTok. My husband was like doing a lot with TikTok videos, so I'm a little... And it reminded me a lot of that. In fact, even he was kind of looking over my shoulder and he was like, I can't really tell the difference. So yep. is that because Octi is still in kind of an early stage and it's evolving towards something? Or do you have to really get more into it to kind of understand the differences? So two to, to, to answers to that. So the first thing is to, to build something brand new that, that no one's really seen before or functions in a way that anyone's familiar with. Uh, old trick is to give them something that feels familiar right from the mm -hmm. beginning. So we intentionally made some of the features feel very similar to TikTok so that a user that, that joined us from TikTok would feel instantly comfortable and sort of instantly like they kind of knew what was going on. Um, so that, that part's intentional. Um, some of our user tester, testing would say maybe we went a little too far uh, and sort of we were gonna be dialing some of that in over the next, that's, that's very natural for a platform to kind of figure out what your users are doing, what they're engaging with, and then sort of dial, dial in the desired behavior uh, through design language over the you know next couple of weeks, but intentionally very similar to TikTok, and I, and so far so good. People like that because we're seeing a ton of creation, a ton of engagement, all the kinds of things that you'd want to see on a, a new platform. Yeah, and you know this reminds me of a chat actually a, a different podcast I was listening to with Chris Dixon about Web three, and there's this yep. tension sort of between the, like and he was quoting Steve Jobs, but talking about how you know if you go back to the 1980s and see what even a brilliant mind like Steve Jobs was doing advertising desktop computers. It was basically a husband and wife gathering together, putting recipes on their computer. <laughs> you know? <Yep. laughs> that, was, that was like the nearest similar use case. Um, there's a term for skew morphic, I think. And yeah. kind of talking about taking something you're already familiar with and then doing it in a new way. And then, you know, you fast forward a few years and all of a sudden things exist that never existed before. So, um, I guess I wonder with the metaverse, how much you can fast forward on a platform like Octi um, 
just using a mobile phone. One of the, the core things sure. I'm trying to understand is, is a metaverse like Octi something that I'm going to be doing on my mobile phone for basically years and years and years, or do we have to start talking about the goggles? We absolutely have to start talking about the goggles, the goggles. It's all headed to the goggles. You know, I, I, <laughs> the latest, the latest uh, reports out of Apple is that there's not really a, a game plan for the phone past 2030. So I think that, you know, given their power in the market, that sort of says everything about where, where we're headed. Right. And most of that functionality is going to be absorbed into the goggles. So I feel like for, for us, we built something intentional with that in mind, right? Because we, we talk with the folks at Apple a bunch and we were super familiar with some of the things they have going on. And we intentionally built a platform that has scale today on the phone. So it's exciting on the phone. It's familiar on the phone. But a lot of the behaviors that you're doing um, are actually perfect for the goggles. And, and when the AR glasses drop, like we expect to be one of the if not the single most interesting use case for a Gen Z user and why they'd want to buy one of these. Um, but, but there's a trick here, right, Kelly? And that's that you, you have to start, again, with something familiar on a device that everyone has. And then you have to start to build behaviors that will make sense on this platform that you and I know is coming. But maybe the you know, general user out there isn't aware or won't want to buy one of these for you know, three, four, five years, even after they come out, right? So sort of planning your planning your roadmap and you're planning your behavior around what's coming, right? So that when it when it does get here, you have that long tail of content and you have that kind of conditioned user base that's going to be so excited to to engage with this new hardware yeah. uh, in this way on the existing platform. When when you say the goggles are coming, what do you mean by that? Are you referring specifically to an Apple product or Yeah, what? I think I think I don't think that's a secret, right? There's some sort of Apple product coming and, and you can you know read all the reports the what what that's gonna be. Um I think the latest I read sort of a two-phase cycle, right? It's something that's more um, you know, semi-pro oriented, which isn't surprising, right? Apple tends to do that when they drop their latest thing. Uh and then you know, two years later, something that's even more mass market. Um, you know, I, I only know what I've, what I've read online. So. Sure. This is yeah. so exciting. Like I want, I want to just pause here and talk about the significance of this without totally derailing our, yeah. our chat. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're telling me that Apple is kind of, you know, we're all still obsessed with how many iPhone 13s are selling. Why are we even right. talking about that? 2030 is around the corner. It's and not that far away. Yeah, yeah. It, and so they're going to come up with a product, but what about the other products that have been out there? And what if I don't want to wear this because I already feel like I'm losing or going to have bad? I mean, these are all natural, natural yeah. things with new technology, right? There's, I still have friends who the parents don't want to carry a cell phone, right? They don't want to be invaded out of that way, and they they refuse, right? So there'll, there'll, there'll definitely be some of that. But I think what's super exciting, Kelly, is like our generation, we're getting to see another paradigm shift in computing, right? We're getting, we saw, you know, desktop to mobile, and now we're going to see mobile to AR, which is, is really exciting. And what we've learned, uh, and I'm a, a bit of a history guy, but what we've learned from the past is that the game changes when, when you have those shifts and sort of people's, people's desires, the platforms that make sense, everything changes all at once when those things, uh, when we switch a platform. Yeah. And it's funny because that's the excitement that I feel just as an observer, you know, mm -hmm. I guess journalistically, whatever, but it's, you know, I think that for me, the excitement is always kind of learning about the next big thing. And the fact that we've already been through so many of these changes just in our relatively short lifetimes, yep. and now here comes another one. And so one quick question that I want to ask on behalf of our typical investor audience is, okay, 
is there anything I need to be doing about this now, right? Like I have to make my portfolio allocation decisions for 2022 and my 401k or whatever. There's plenty of people mm-hmm. who, you know, buying and trading stocks, stuff that I can't do, but are there any immediate takeaways? Like when you see people doing stuff, do you ever just go like, well, that's really dumb. Like you shouldn't be investing in. Like, <laughs> I, Kelly, I, do, I do that all the time to my, to my detriment. <laughs> uh, but, but the, you know, I think the takeaway for, for me, and again, this is, you know, just my opinion, but um, I think you're, what you do have is history repeating itself in terms of Apple's, you know, dominance in the hardware market for this product. You're going to have, you know, secondary tertiary players that try to, to make their own versions of these devices, but just the sort of scale and power of what Apple has built, you know, you know, over the last 20, 30 years is, is, is really, is really hard to compete with. And so you're going to see sort of this game play out again um, for Apple versus sort of an Android equivalent or a second or third party equivalent, but Apple's dominance in the market, I think is going to be pretty, pretty solid. And I think, honestly, I think that's what they're banking on as well. I noticed that when I logged into my Octi account, it basically only gave me the option of logging in with my Apple ID. Yes. Yeah, I was curious about that. We did that. So we did that intentionally um, because there's a, you know, a big part of our whole business model is this e-commerce integration that's very seamless. So you're able to take these coins that you earn and you're able to go shop at third-party retailers uh, right away. And we wanted to make that so that was as simple as holding your either holding your thumb or or doing the apple pay double click to check out and so having that login right from the beginning makes that process really seamless um and also sort of thinking about thinking about privacy thinking about all the different things that one needs as you scale up a platform as quickly as we are and being such a small company it really made sense to embrace that apple login uh obviously in the future we'll, we'll consider adding more of these logins as it makes sense but Initially, it was uh, it was pretty intentional that we kept it simple and stayed with Apple for the login. Sure. So, you know, do you think Apple's advantage is going to be through hardware again? Because you have Facebook now Meta, I assume building its own metaverse, maybe only accessible through its own hardware. Other people are going to have software metaverses, whether from the worlds of gaming or yeah. you name it, like yours. So what do you think Apple's fundamental advantage is? Is it going to be its hardware goggles? Is it really important that that product basically takes the entire iPhone user base and translates it there? Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, I, you, you know, if I were Facebook, I would consider making, making my hardware entirely open because that tends to be the, the fatal mistake when you look you know, historically at all the different, you know, LaserDisc, Betamax, VHS is, is sort of the not being able to use the software you want to use, drive the, the you know nothing will have, everything has changed. Nothing has changed. People's software choices are still going to drive their hardware purchases, right? The software that they want to use, um, and so to the extent that Apple releases the best hardware and it has access to the best software, they're going to see that their their dominance sort of c- continues, right? Very interesting. What about I mean the other hardware companies that excel are obviously the video game. Uh, mm-hmm platforms, consoles, where are they in all of this? I think you'll see complementary devices. I, I think that the, those, those companies, as you know, they're sort of their cycles are much longer uh, and the way they think about their business is a little bit different, right? And so I think it, with the consoles, you're going to see more of a focus on VR because it makes sense for their consumption experience, right? You're sitting on the couch playing the game. You want to be fully immersed. You're going to see complementary VR headsets 
which I think will be just treated as a separate part of the market than than what Apple's doing, which right. is a, you know, a Apple, it's a mass consumer device for to augment your life. It's very, yes. very different than a VR headset. Just to make sure people follow the language of what we're talking about, you're basically saying the video games are doing virtual reality, which is a headset that kind of completely immerses you in a virtual <laughs> world, whereas Apple's really looking at goggles, maybe almost more like eyeglasses that enhance the everyday experience around you, maybe by showing you directions while you're, you know, just wearing them um, by using the street in front of you, that kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. That's a that's a really good description, Kelly. And I think, I think, and I hope that that what we end up with with these glasses is is better than what we saw with Google Glass when it launched, right? Yeah. So turn, turn right, turn left, but. Uh, I'm not going to be shocked at all if, if when we all get excited for the big reveal and, and Tim Cook standing on stage, if that's one of the first things he shows, right, is the turn right, turn left. But I think um, I think the one more thing will be sort of the fun, creative, fully immersive world that, that comes out of this. So I want to ask a couple of different um, sort of groups of questions here with the time that we have. One is, you know, you mentioned your history buff, and obviously you're very immersed in all this. How did you end up starting Octi? So I ended up starting Octi by thinking about what you could do with the camera uh, and using neural networks. So using, you know, teaching the phone to think like a human, teaching the phone to understand what it was looking at through the camera and immersing ourselves sort of in the, the world of, of, well, if you know this is a human and you know how they're moving and you know all this sort of things, what is an unlock that a 15-year-old would care about, you know? Um, because most of the stuff, especially a couple of years ago, was was basically scientific white papers that didn't have a huge, a huge use case for a, a Gen Z user, and so I started Octi to sort of think about that, and and always sort of interested in marketplaces and interested in digital. Uh, I wouldn't say you know NFTs or anything like that at the time, but digital collectibles and that those behaviors that that humans have around collecting, and so the Octi is very much a culmination of all of those ideas, right? And uh, we have we have, sorry, go ahead, go. Ahead. Well, where were you at the time? Where, what was your career, your sort of academic experience? So I'm a career founder. So I've been starting companies since I was at Georgetown. Um, you know, lots of different technologies, always actually focused on you know, video or the camera, which is basically the same thing. And around, always around a culture of, of new ideas and doing your own thing. And so with Octi, I had just wrapped up my previous company and I had a little bit of airtime to think. And for me, if I have time to think, I start trying to build something. So uh, about three months after I, I wrapped up my old thing, I, I started working on this. And then it sort of, you know, the idea resonated right away and, and off to the races. And that we've been really fortunate about the, you know, relatively, you know, straight line that we've been able to take to building this product. You mentioned that the, this came together pretty quickly. Um, how do you scale? You mentioned that also, you know, as we're speaking here, you're in Los Angeles. So this is also, I presume, all happening during the pandemic. How do you assemble okay. a team of developers? How do you, how does the word get out? How many people do you need? How quick, like, like how did this all work start to finish yep. in a really quick way? So, so first of all, the, you know, the timing for us, we, we sort of assembled a core team pre-pandemic. Uh, we did our best as everyone else did to, to work through that. Uh, very hard, Kelly, to build a brand new product remotely, just because you miss out on that sort of interaction of, you know, looking over someone's shoulder, them showing you something. Uh, so we we did our best, and then we we probably got back to the office a bit earlier than most in in March, um, and we 
we aggressively started hiring. I will, I will share like, and this is not, not news. It's been a really hard uh, environment to hire people in right now. Mm -hmm. You sort of have a mix of people who frankly don't want to go back to work. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the folks that do are, are pretty set on, on living on the beach in Hawaii and, and working remotely. Uh, and that's <laughs> a really Los hard Angeles. thing to compete with. You've got right? a beach, right? Like uh, tell me about it. So, <laughs> so we, we, we did our best and we were able to put together a really elite team of, of designers and engineers and marketing people. Um, but what's, what's, what's a challenge and exciting for us going forward is, is, is now from here, you know, we're talking about scaling a company by 30, 40, 50 people in the next few months. It's a, it's a totally different, different game. And doing that with quality folks quickly is, is, is going to be, is going to be interesting, challenging. Yeah, it's, you know, as much of a challenge to do that as it is to be the kind of programmer that you are. So to have both skill sets is, you know, is, is very admirable. Um, I'm curious also about the funding that went into this. I mean, have you guys mm -hmm. gone through the series A through Z kind of stuff and <laughs> had with that in the past. And, you know, can you kind of just talk about what that's like right now? Uh, so that, that part of it is great. That part is, is phenomenal, right? Especially with the kind of splash we made coming into the market. Um, the, what I will say has changed is, you know, typically pre-pandemic, you would, you would have to fly all over the country, if not the world, doing 30, 40 minute meetings. And it's just sort of a grueling and efficient process. But with with the pandemic, it's become entirely reasonable to stack your day of Zoom calls and get 14, 15 meetings done in a day. Wow. Um, and all of that consideration, because if you think about it, if you're if you're someone in, in, in venture, if you're able to say, okay, I'm looking at the product, it's great. Um, there's clearly a team here. Uh, you know, there's not, there's not much else to learn by visiting. Sure, it's always nice to meet someone in person and, and especially people you're gonna work closely with. But it's it's optional, right? And as before, it would never pre-pandemic that would that would not happen, right? You'd have to do several lunches, coffees, really get to sort of know know someone before you'd be moving moving forward on a deal. Um, so for us, the sort of and also I'm I'm sure you've heard, but sort of the the venture market has exploded, the valuations have exploded. People yeah. are it's a really great time to be raising money for a company like ours. And again, so just feeling very very fortunate to to have this going our way at the moment. And so. That also then has to put some pressure on you to IPO, right? I don't know if it's about hitting particular metrics or as we've seen, there's obviously a pretty long runway with staying private until you're ready. But yep. um, to the extent that you can talk about it, I'd just be curious how you think about that. Sure. I mean, I think I think what has changed has changed is, you know, maybe five, six years ago, the outcome for a company like like mine would be, oh, well, you you build it and hopefully Facebook, Google, Apple, someone buys you, Amazon. Uh, for a lot of money, and that that would sort of be the best best case. I think what you know has happened lately with a lot of the direct listings, all these sort of things, is that there's a especially for a company that generates revenue like ours. There's a there's a really sort of uh, great great end of the road, end of the rainbow, where where you go public and you are listed, and the and especially if you have a product that that the you know sort of uh, reaches the mass consumer, you're you tend to become a very popular listing as well. So, so the focus for us is really to, to nail our fundamentals. Uh, so our, our key KPI for us is, is revenue, right? Which is very unusual for a social platform. Usually the, the way people would think about that would be growth at all costs. Revenue is secondary to that or tertiary to that. So for us, the fact that revenue is such, a, such an easy thing for us to generate, uh, we've already generated quite a bit, um, it makes us a very attractive company to take public quickly. 
and that's de definitely a consideration for us. Sorry, what's KPI? Oh, uh, sort of our, it's a key performance, so key performance indicator. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's sorry about that. The VCs set for you because you're more of a, you know, I call it general store and I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean, it as like a very familiar business model where yeah, yeah. it's like, it should be much more straightforward than, than not. Yeah. And um, we've, you know, we've heard that from, and that's just a credit to our, our great, great design team, our great product team, but we've heard that from a lot of the folks in the sort of NFT space that we have the most beautiful gallery and place to shop for digital items. So the, the most beautiful general store. Mm. Um, so we're, we're pretty happy about that and, and certainly more to come to make that even better in the, in the near term. So let me also explain a little bit for our listeners now what the experience of using Octi is like. You know, I've seen backdrops that look like luxury shopping malls. Um, I put up a little video, like I said, I, I really kind of have no idea what I'm doing here, but I was like, okay, here's a little selfie video. And it auto-populated a hat on me that said, I think sweet and rich. And I had to swear to my team that I did not pick this hat. I think it matched my pink sweater that I was wearing. No one believed. Um, but then I was able to just put up this quick little video snippet and all of a sudden random people are liking it and I'm earning 2000 coins, which I was already able to use to go buy a digital purse. And I'm now trying to figure out why I'm putting up a video of this purse sitting on the floor. Like the whole thing is kind of crazy, but also it's very, uh, it's very meta, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, and that's a great experience and sort of the, the hope there is that you're now exposed to this digital economy where you've, you've created something. I, I haven't seen your video, but I'm sure it's quite, quite good. Uh, yeah. You've had the, the, positive reinforcement of, of, you know, people out there in the world engaging with it and liking it, you making these octicoids and then being the, you know, the curious person you are, you're like, well, what do I do with these coins? Uh, and the, and the quick answer is, yeah, you could, you could buy the digital purse, which would be a good, a good purchase. Cause you, you actually get a return on that investment, which is exciting. So the more, the more videos featuring that purse, the more coins you earn passively over the next couple of weeks. Um, or you could just head right over to a major retailer all within the app and you could, you could probably get, I think you could get maybe 15, 15% off or 20% off for those coins. I noticed that. I noticed that. So one question that I have about all of this is I obviously have put no money into the app. So yep. how is it that you're generating revenue or maybe you're not, maybe these coins are just these like mythical things that I'm quote unquote getting. And then the purse is something I'm quote unquote getting, but where is that money coming from? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the model is pretty simple. So it's, it's basically, and I don't know if this is a great way of explaining it, but, but we, can, we can work on this, is, is mm -hmm. it's basically a currency backed by the discount value that it, that it represents mm -hmm. with these third-party retailers, right? So the, so the difference, you know, let's, let's use like, let's say there's a $100 item and we're able to buy that wholesale for 60. So there's 40, $40 of spread there. And so your coins effectively buy you into that spread. So the more you have, the more of it you get for yourself, more of a discount. Um, and then if you sort of have more than that 40% spread, we as a company are very hard, very, very ha happy to uh, cover that for you as sort of like a elite user acquisition, right? Because if you're starting to have that many coins, that means you're generating quite a bit of value for the platform. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're happy to subsidize that to, to a certain extent.
and we're still talking about a digital purse, right? <laughs> oh, we're talking about a real purse and not- A that, real purse case. now. The digital purse is purely an affinity thing. It's purely, there's no money being made at the moment. Eventually we're gonna be selling, you're gonna be able to buy Octi coins, much like a video, video game model. Um, the, the, that's purely a, a sort of a fun way to interact with the, the economy that we have. Wow. And so it all, it all does leave through the gift shop, right? And it's, 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 you buy, if, even if you buy that digital purse, what will end up happening over time is you'll actually probably make more, you actually definitely will make more coins than that purse uh, cost you to purchase, right? And so eventually you'll say, oh, I've earned all these coins from owning this, this purse. Like, let me go maybe get a real one, right? And that, that is for now our, our core model. And it's a pretty compelling one, uh, especially from a revenue standpoint. But the, the digital stuff, as you know, um, so there's actually a good, a good segue, Kelly, and it's to talk a little bit maybe about, about sort of where we, we sit with NFTs, right? Um, the, the teen sort of Gen Z market has limited exposure to, to NFTs for a lot of reasons, mostly because of the, the hoops you have to jump through to get them. You need real money. Um, in some cases, you need to you know, scan your driver's license to get that money in there to, to buy them. But what Octi does is it's a really, really great sort of 101 intro into that world of digital collectibles, all without using real money and sort of in a very fun, positive way. And so over time, as we scale, we feel like we will have access to, you know, like I think I said, on maybe on, on our interview before, it's like this concept of aging up. So as our, our users age up into, let's say, college and things like that. They're gonna, we're gonna have this scaled audience of, of people who have, now have real money and are ready to collect digital NFTs potentially and wanna put real money in. And we've already sort of conditioned them for, for how all this works, great way to buy them, trusted partner. Um, so it's a, it's a very interesting way to position ourselves uh, in the digital collectible, collectible space. That said, we don't make any money uh, directly off the, the digital items we're selling today. So just a couple of final questions. Um, the first one is, when people talk about Web3, and that kind of is a term that loosely represents um, stakeholders in kind of tokenized DAOs or certain forms of crypto, other projects that are happening, they often say that's going to disintermediate the big tech platforms. But I feel like the case that you're making is actually for Apple being a crucial middleman or intermediary for this whole next generation of technology. Mm -hmm. um, am I wrong in seeing a, a tension between sort of how you see it and how they see it? No, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I think, I think what, what you have to realize when people are talking that way is they're, they're, usually, they're usually taking it as a given that there'll be some sort of hardware device that's probably made by Apple that they're, they're using to interact with, with quote unquote web three. But the, what they really are focused on is sort of the software. So when they say, you know, pulling away from the, the big companies, that's what they're referring to. I think, I think that, I don't think that people believe, and maybe I'm wrong too, but I don't think people believe that these new sort of standards will change the hardware game. Because that's such, such a different thing, right? You need a factory, yeah. you need workers, you need all these things that, that you know, could never, well, I don't want to say could never, but but likely would never succeed in a decentralized fashion in, in the short run, right? And that short run being the next 10 years. Sure. So a kind of related question is, let's go back to the the little pink polka dot purse that I, I quote unquote bought this morning. <laughs> could I now possess that and in would could I take that throughout 
Apple's metaverse with me? Yeah, in the in the future, yeah, you absolutely could. So you could tokenize that. You that would be able to be used on other platforms, be taken other places. Um, you can potentially sell it. You can do all these different different fun things with it, which I think right now it's sort of not as compelling as as we'd all like it to be. But in the future, it definitely will be. Right mm -hmm. as as this infrastructure gets built. And then a final question is. Um, can you get me into all sorts of like cool discord rooms and like what are like the cool DAOs that all the kids should be yeah in? Well, i can i can definitely get you access so i have i have, so so i'm old enough now where i i i have younger cooler people that work for me that that get me access so i could definitely definitely make some arrangements to get you on get you on that list as well this whole thing is strange i mean kind of what i'm hinting at I, when i wrote a newsletter about the rise of of web three i i was I wanted to call it the frats that will rival Fang. And I didn't mm -hmm. use the word frat because it's just too, too loaded. Yeah. But I rebel a little bit against this idea of the clubbiness that you need in order to get into these chat rooms yep. to hear about these DAOs. And, you know, I would just love your thoughts on that as somebody who's obviously much more savvy on all of this than I am. Yeah, I mean, I, I, who's someone who's maybe maybe a bit more savvy, but but honestly, uh, just have a, have a similar mindset to you is is that it feels very sort of clubby, fratty, uh, insider, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I think I think what is interesting is some of these NFTs that are like a proxy for membership, right? So the the ape and a couple mm -hmm. other ones where it gets you some sort of access. Um, I think I think that that that's super interesting, but um, you know the clubbiness of it and sort of the closed nature of it, I think is is out of necessity for these groups at the moment, where they aren't quite sure themselves of some of the things that that are developing and how they think about them, how they talk about them. Um, and so so you know, I will get you access to some of those chat rooms, and you'll see. <laughs> You'll see. You literally will see. Like you won't. It, it will be like uh, you and I looking at a at a TikTok from a thirteen year old. We'll be like, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand even what they're saying. Is that a word? Um, yeah. That's very much the kind of thing that goes on. A bunch of you know, a bunch of uh, code words for things that you and I wouldn't even know what they're talking about, but they all clearly do. Exactly. Um, so it's you know, it's a it's a different world, and this is this is just how it starts, right? It starts it starts at the in the margins and then, and then it gets powerful and it gets more mainstream and then before you know it it's here um so i think what i think what's absolutely fascinating is the sort of perfect storm ahead of this amazing new hardware all of the blockchain stuff all the crypto stuff uh nfts metaverse all of that sort of slamming together at once in the next couple of years um is going to change everything and and be a really sort of exciting place to to live and exciting thing to be working on. And so final comment from you, is there any advice you'd give, you know, maybe there's people listening who are thinking, okay, I, I want, you know, I want to, I want to roll in this. Should it be mm -hmm. as a user, as an experimenter? Is that, is it the place where people should kind of go be looking for exciting career opportunities? Again, any, any possible kind of like investment takeaways, um, just yep, kind yep. of the very practical, what's this going to sure. mean in the next few years? So we're hiring. We're growing, <laughs> so if you want to, if you want to, if you want to be active in this future, come work at my company because we're going to be growing, you know, percentage-wise a lot more than some of these these big old companies that are already here. Um, but the the practical advice would be to to experiment heavily because I think you know even even with what's happened so far, that's really benefited the the early sort of explorer in the space. So what I would say, and, and I'd give some advice, is like 
you know, this is not a world to ignore uh, for your listeners. This is a world to embrace, try to understand it. It's one of those things, like a lot of things in life, it'll make zero sense and feel sort of maybe a little bit stupid when you first first start playing with it. But, you know, take that extra time to understand it and you'll you'll be paid later, right? Because you're, you're going to then have a natural understanding of this new economy that's coming. Um, so I would say, you know, you know, take, take some money that's play money for you. Don't, don't, don't make a big and big investment as your first one, but kind of, you know, maybe buy an NFT, buy, buy more crypto, sort of start to feel what that's like and how those systems work. And I think that that would be the most beneficial thing your listeners could do to be, be sort of ready for what's next. Awesome. Justin, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kelly. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And be sure to follow the Exchange podcast for more conversations like this and to catch our show on CNBC live weekdays at 1 p.m. Eastern only on CNBC. See you then. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.